All right, I'm a couple minutes early here. Just thought I would see if anybody can kick on a comment and say we're live. Little button says we're live. Props to those of you who have been caring for the prayer garden here. It's a little bit breezy. And so I was looking around for a couple of rocks to put on my papers here so they wouldn't blow away. And it's tough to find a rock uh, the size of paperweights because it's been raked and curated so well. But we're making do. All right, watching my clock. All right, thanks Maureen. I see ya. Hope you're having a good morning. That lets me know we're, we're rolling. Well, it's a good Sabbath morning and uh, it's nice to be here on this campus. The sun's shining and uh, I hope that that God's love's shining in your heart. As cliched as that sounds, I really hope that's what's happening for you this morning and all of the craziness that's happening around us uh, these days. I recognize that this is a poor substitute, or maybe I should just say this, for me, this is a poor substitute for the church services that we love so much in paradise. I would love to be experiencing right now and in the next few minutes, a good Tom Hardy welcome with all of the energy that he brings and that always gets church service kicked off for me when he does that. Uh, having Marilyn and the music group, our young people performing music and leading us in worship would just be perfect for me this morning. And I'm thinking if I'm crafting this, uh, a little bit of Glenna sweet prayer time, hearing Glenna uh, lift us up in prayer would be a blessing for me. And uh, I'd like the puppets for a children's story today, please. And uh, Leah and Devon, we know it's you. Why don't we just name the puppets, you know, Leah and Devon, but uh, that'd be good this morning as well. And uh, how about a good postlude by Joanne? That would be good. And I could preach to that this morning. Um, so in the meantime, we'll make do with this. And I'm really, really glad to be with you this morning. Um, hopefully the camera doesn't fall off. I've got it propped up on like a backpack and this is pretty rudimentary production levels here right now. But again, a shout out to Chris for the sweet little tripod that he gave me to make this happen. Well, uh, let's get started and I will, uh, I'll open us with prayer. So wherever you are, if you'd bow your heads with me, uh, and unless you're driving, we'll close our eyes. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much this morning that we can rest in your care, that you bring us comfort and strength and courage you have for your children for thousands of years and you promised it to us now. And we thank you for that. I pray, Lord, that as we spend a bit of time together focusing on you and a bit of comments time afterward, that, that you would really minister to our hearts this morning. We lift up our world to you, not just our country or our county or our state, but we lift up the world to you.
We know that you see all things, and um, we just pray that our redemption would draw nigh, because this old world's growing old, and we know that you long to make all things new. And so, in the meantime, please renew our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You might want to get a pencil and paper out. I have a list of texts for you that I think would be uh, helpful for you to jot down as I read through them. In fact, I'm just going to go ahead and give you a couple of brief paraphrases of those scriptures that I've written in my notes. Um, so maybe write them down and they'd be good for reflection uh, throughout this week. I want to sort of open with the very... By the way, my ADD is going to kick in a little bit. The road drives by and I'm like, oh look, a van is driving by. So uh, welcome to the life of Steve Hamilton. Um, we're going to focus this morning on the blood of Jesus. And I know that's a little bit graphic uh, of an opener, but I want the word blood to stand out for you as we read through these texts, as I list them. Uh, because it's going to tie into a story that I will read to you in just a few minutes. So if you're jotting down the text, the first one I would suggest is John chapter 3, verse 16. It's sort of the classic opener on the subject. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus echoes that in first person in John chapter 15, verse 13, where he says, Greater love hath no man than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. And then we get into a bit more graphic description with Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Keep watch over yourselves and all of the flock. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Colossians chapter 1 verse 20, making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. In him we have redemption through his blood, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. There are many verses which I'm sure you could make reference to along these lines and maybe later on post them up in the comments so that we can share them together. Um, this is sort of a mind-blowing experience for me. Oh, we've got people getting water, which is good. Living water. This is kind of a mind-blowing moment for me. Delinda mentioned this uh, about midweek. Hey, remember that story that you used to read to youth group? We're living that right now. And when she mentioned this, it took me back in my memory, uh, and I just responded back to her, oh my it's amazing I've got to find that story so the story on the story is is that back in 1997 1998 I was a young early 20s youth pastor in Redding California it was long before the time of social media and this venue where we're able to spend time with each other and 
we had not yet discovered the uh, time-consuming uh, phenomenon of scrolling through people's memes and comments and posts. Uh, it was barely into the days of email. And I don't know if some of you remember, but there were email threads that we, many of us were on and you would get these emails in regards to different subjects and such. And uh, my youth leader and mentor at the time, Connie Roy, was on several of these inspirational story uh, email threads. And uh, she would print them, uh, staple them together, and bring them to me, ones that she especially thought might be useful for youth ministry um, purposes in our youth group. Oh, Brielle says she missed the second verse. Want me to read through the verse? Oh man, there's so many distractions. The comments and water and traffic. This is awesome. Uh, I'll read through the list of texts for you. How about that, Brielle? Uh, so John chapter 3, verse 16. John chapter 15, verse 13. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Colossians chapter 1, verse 20. And Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. All right, so back to the email thread. Connie would print these off staple them together, bring them to me, and they were wonderful. I would use them in Friday night Bible study, in Sabbath school study, even in my sermon prep and those things. And they became hard copy resources for me. And she did a lot of these. In fact, somewhere I had uh, come up with a black leather briefcase that I started putting these in and it filled the briefcase. Some of you might know the briefcase I'm talking about. Inside, they had snaps that you could unsnap, and it would expand it an extra three-quarters of an inch or inch. And uh, I actually had to unsnap it so that it would expand enough to take the stack of resources that she gave me, these stories. And I carried these with me through 20 years of pastoral ministry, and I would page through them, and I would use them. There were certainly... Uh, old faithfuls that I would pull out that I had highlighted or marked up or made references to. And um, anyway, that briefcase burned over off of Pence Road about a year and a half ago. And so I didn't have that. So when Delinda mentioned the story, I just thought, I wonder if there's any way I can find it. And I remembered in my mind that it was called the mystery flu. And so you can Google that and pull it up. It's the mystery flu. You can find it. And I'm going to read it to you this morning because when I reread this, it was a weird experience for me. The day is over and you are driving home. You tune in your radio and you hear a little blurb. By the way, remember, I don't know when this story was written, but I know that at least it came into my possession back in 1997. And I remember reading it through and it was just this purely hypothetical what if uh, allegory and today I read it with a very very different perspective it's just nuts mind-blowing the day is over and you are driving home you tune in your radio and you hear a little blurb about a little village in India where some villagers have died suddenly strangely of a flu that has never been seen before it is not influenza, but three or four fellows are dead, and it's kind of interesting, and they're sending some doctors over there to investigate it. 
you don't think much about it. But on, on Sunday, coming home from church, you hear another radio spot. Only they are saying it's not three villagers, it's 30,000 villagers in the back hills of this particular area of India. And it's on TV that night. CNN runs a little blurb. People are heading there from the disease center in Atlanta because this disease strain has never been seen before. By Monday morning, when you get up, it's the lead story. For it's not just India, it's Pakistan, Afghanistan, Iran. And before you know it, you're hearing this story everywhere. And they have coined it now as the mystery flu. The president has made some comment that he and everyone are praying and hoping that all will go well over there. But everyone is wondering, how are we going to contain it? That's when the president of France makes an announcement that shocks Europe. He's closing their borders. No flights from India, Pakistan, or any of the countries where this thing has been seen. And that's why that night, you're watching a little bit of CNN before going to bed, your jaw hits your chest when a weeping woman is translated from a French news program into English. There's a man lying in a hospital in Paris, dying of the mystery flu. It has come to Europe, panic strikes, and as best they can tell, once you get it, you have it for a week and you don't know it. Then you have four days of unbelievable symptoms and then you die. Britain closes its borders, but it's too late. Southampton, Liverpool, Northampton, and it's Tuesday morning when the President of the United States makes the following announcement. Due to national security risk, all flights to and from Europe and Asia have been canceled. If your loved ones are overseas, I am sorry. They cannot come back until we find a cure for this thing. Within four days, our nation has been plunged into an unbelievable fear. People are selling little masks for your face. People are talking about what if it comes to this country? And preachers on Tuesday are saying it's the scourge of God. It's Wednesday night and you are at church prayer meeting when somebody runs in from the parking lot and says, turn on a radio, turn on a radio. And while the church listens to a little transistor radio with a microphone stuck up to it, the announcement is made. Two women are lying in a Long Island hospital dying from the mystery flu. Within hours, it seems that this thing sweeps across the country. People are working around the clock trying to find an antidote. Nothing is working. California, Oregon, Arizona, Florida, Massachusetts. It's as though it's just sweeping in from the borders. And then, all of a sudden, the news comes out. The code has been broken. A cure can be found. A vaccine can be made. It's going to take the blood of someone who hasn't been infected. And so, sure enough, all through the Midwest, through all those channels of emergency broadcasting, everyone is asked to do one simple thing. Go to your downtown hospital and have your blood type taken. That's all we ask of you. And when you hear the sirens go off in your neighborhood, please make your way quickly, 
quietly and safely to the hospitals. Sure enough, when you and your family get down there late on that Friday night, there is a long line and they've got nurses and doctors coming out and pricking fingers and taking blood and putting labels on it. Your wife and your kids are out there and they take your blood type and they say, wait here in the parking lot and if we call your name, you can be dismissed and go home. You stand around scared with your neighbors wondering what in the world is going on? And is this the end of the world? Suddenly a young man comes running out of the hospital screaming and yelling. He's yelling a name and waving a clipboard. What? He yells it again and your son tags on your jacket and says, Daddy, that's me. Before you know it, they have grabbed your boy. Wait, wait a minute, hold on, you say. And they say, it's okay. His blood is clean. His blood is pure. We want to make sure he doesn't have the disease. We think he has the right blood type. Five minutes, five tense minutes later, out come the doctors and nurses, crying and hugging one another. Some are even laughing. It's the first time you have seen anybody laugh in a week. And an old doctor walks up to you and says, thank you, sir. Your son's blood type is perfect. It's clean. It's pure. And we can make the vaccine. As the word begins to spread all across that parking lot full of folks, people are screaming and praying and laughing and crying. But then the gray-haired doctor pulls you and your wife aside and says, may we see you for a moment. We didn't realize that the donor would be a minor and we need, we need you to sign a consent form. You begin to sign and then you see that the number of pints of blood to be taken is empty. Uh, how many pints? And that is when the old doctor's smile fades and he says, we had no idea it would be a little child. We weren't prepared. We need it all. But you don't understand. We are talking about the world here. Please sign. We need it all. We need it all. But can't you give him a transfusion? If we had clean blood, we would. Can you sign? Would you sign? In numb silence, you do. And then they say, would you like to have a moment with him before we begin? Can you walk back into that room? Can you walk back into that room where he sits on a table saying, Daddy, Mommy, what's going on? Can you take his hands and say, 
son, your mommy and I love you. And we would never, ever let anything happen to you that didn't just have to be. Do you understand that? And when that old doctor comes back in and says, I'm sorry, we've got to get started. People all over the world are dying. Can you leave? Can you walk out while he is saying, Dad, Mom, Dad, why are you leaving me? Why are you forsaking me? The next week, there is a ceremony to honor your son. Some people sleep through it. Some people don't come because they go to the lake. And some folks come with a pretentious smile and just pretend to care. Would you want to jump up and say, my son died for you. Don't you care? My son died for you. Is that what he wants to say? My son died for you. Don't you know how much I care? So friends, today, I'd like for our discussion question to be, and we can post in the comments. Let's talk about the times in our life where we experienced grace. Maybe we have forgotten the moments where the blood of Jesus has had power in our lives. Let's talk, to, let's talk about that today as we worship on Sabbath together, collectively, remotely, via technology, though it be. Let's talk about the times where Jesus has made a difference in our lives, where the grace and power of his blood has meant everything. Thing to us. Let me read back through the verses we started with as we move into a time of comments. John chapter 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world that he did give his only begotten son so that whoever would believe, yes, even you, even me, would not have to perish but have everlasting life. Jesus said, greater love hath no man than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. If you read through that passage, he says, make no mistake, I have not called you servants, I have called you friends. Acts chapter 20, verse 28, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock. Let's follow that instruction in the days to come. Let's keep watch over each other. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Colossians chapter 1 verse 20, making peace through his blood shed on a cross. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Make no mistake, friends, it is the riches of God's grace that is available to you and I. 
through the blood of Jesus. Happy Sabbath to you, friends. I'm going to go ahead and sign off the video, but let the comments continue. I'll pop back in on the chats. May God bless you and keep you. May he make, may he make his face to shine upon you, is my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. It's going to get a little crazy. I got to figure out how to turn it off.